Welcome to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee. This is a program where we discuss life's hard financial questions to help you make smart decisions about your money. I'm a certified financial planner and Jeremiah is a California licensed attorney. We work together at Tricord Advisors. Tricord is a registered investment advisory firm where we help our clients build the life that they love. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on future episodes, just send us an email. Use the contact button on our website, retirementunlimited.com, or just give our office a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. The biggest question that we have right now is, are we going to have, I mean, we've talked about a soft landing versus a hard landing. Yeah. And it's interesting. I just finished an article here for the, the radio program today and for our, for our uh, podcast. But we've had 11 of these recessions in the last 60 years. And going back historically, now this article was written by Alan Blinder, but it's it's interesting. He says six of them have been pretty soft. Yeah, it's, it's a great analysis. So Alan Blinder, as people may, may or may not know, he was the federal vice chair right. in 1994 era. That was his right. you know, the, the recession that he dealt with. And we've said on the show before, you know, we, the Fed has never got a, a fully soft well, there's landing. A, there's a lot of people that we've talked to, and when we do the analysis, they said you can't you can't engineer a soft landing, right? And so he went back through. You know, the person who knows what he's talking about to some extent, he's a little, I'm sure, biased because he was there, right? right he, he was right. He had his hand on the lever. But he said, out of the last eleven that we've had, six of them, he says, were moderately soft. One of them, the one that he was most directly involved in, he said, was fully soft. But it's an interesting, as we talk through this, that some of the, he gave them, I don't want to say a free pass, but kind of in saying they would have had it. Right. But there was this outside event that happened. Like, like an oil embargo, for example. Yes, he in the said, 70s. He said, yeah, he, you know, he said the oil embargo was what it made. It made it difficult to get to a soft landing. Yeah. You know, those kinds of things. Yeah, which on one side is entirely fair, right? right. They did all the right economic things to get us to a good spot but some international event occurred. So the issue is that happened historically. I yes. think most of our listeners are more concerned about what's going to happen here. Yeah. Is this the same? Is it different? And right. the hard part that I feel is, of course, there's going to be international events. Of course, there's right. going to be these other items. You know, I talked about in um, 2004, 2006, there was kind of the financial crisis, which led to kind of the housing right. crisis. Uh, in 2000, there's the dot-com. In you know, 2019, 2020, there's the pandemic. You know, those are excuses, reasons, right, of why it didn't go soft, but it it, it happened, there were, there were events. So then now as we look going forward, you know, we, we actively have a war in Ukraine. Yeah. I mean, that is still going. We have China and Russia issues that are unique. There's some Iran issues. Like the world is not in a set and stable place. And in right. fact, I would say relative to, um, maybe we say 2006, I feel like internationally, there's more upheaval and uncertainty than there was. Um, you know, people talk about maybe the, you know, the world currency going off the dollar or things like that. I don't see that in the the, the near horizon. Yeah, you know? I don't see that as an imminent threat. Right. Yeah. Imminent's a good word. I don't see it as an imminent threat. But some of the stuff with with China and Taiwan, you know, some of the things with North and South Korea, some of the things with Russia and Ukraine, all that is imminent. Like, right. I, you know, it, it might not happen, but it, it also might. And even if the Fed does all the right things, we could still miss it because of those reasons. And that's what makes the Fed's job, I think, well, part of it, that's so, part of it makes it so hard. Well, it's the delay aspect. I mean, you increase interest rates, and we know for a fact that interest rates are going to increase until yeah. at some point, and again, they're going to be looking at the data, and mm -hmm. when the data reaches a certain point, they'll start either stop increasing. A lot of people believe that December will be the last 
so, so to speak, increase for a while. Yeah, they may pause and just right. keep things stable. Again, we don't know for sure because the data has to reinforce mm-hmm. to the Federal Reserve that inflation is peaking and it's starting to come down. They want yep. to see that. Now, again, in certain sectors, we're certain, we're seeing that dramatically, like in real estate, yep. uh, new home sales. Um, my goodness, I mean, the articles are very, very clear that developers are in, they may end up with excess inventory. And so you might start to see some discounts in those pricing. Right, as they come down. And and you have that kind of around the country and that, and that occurring. And, and the question then for the Fed is not just do we peak, but what do we do now? Right. Do they just maintain stable interest rates? Right. Do they start trimming them, bring them back down? And that's the, you know, we've talked about, you know, driving in the snow or driving in the rain. That's kind of the analogy. They've, they've turned the wheel and they're waiting for the economy to respond. And th- there's there's effects, there's, there's things that are starting to happen. But I, yeah, it's a hard job they have. And I think the, the other complicating factor is the the administration, the, the current administration is spending yeah. and they're trying to put dollars in they're people's pockets. More money, they're adding more fuel to the fire. They're increasing. Right. I mean, the excess savings... Right now, on the lower half, the lower half of the population mm. is about $5,500 per household. Now, that's excess over and above what they would normally have. For a lot yeah. of people, that may be uh, a new event in their life in the sense of having excess money. Yeah. But it adds fuel to the fire that inflation may stay longer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And if the Fed's trying to slow down the economy, you know, pull right. money out, and the administration is trying to ease some of the pain by putting more money into the economy. Right. If, if they're coordinated, I would say, hey, this is great. We've got two levers. Let's pull them both. I don't think they're coordinated currently. I think they're doing their own thing politically that they want to do. And the Fed is supposed to be non-political, just the, the math and the economics of it. The administration is 100% political, you know, trying right. to do what they're, For sure. they're doing to run the country. Um, yeah, no, it, it's, a, it's a hard job. So the, the question comes back to saying, okay, we've had this 11 times there's you know five of them that were a hard landing. Some of those on purpose. You know, back right. in the days with Volcker, he wanted the economy just to smash flat. He wanted he wanted to kill inflation. He yes. saw inflation as a major detriment to our long term economy, yes. and he saw it as an imminent danger. And he was willing to do whatever it took yep. to bring it down. Now, again, I lived through that, mm. um, and I can tell you how severe it was. I mean, it was uh, small businesses basically were going out of business. Mm. Um, if you were in the trades where your um, business depended upon current interest rates, like a mortgage rate, mm. well, mortgage rates shot up over ten percent. Wow! It absolutely killed the uh, the new. I mean, any anything to do with real estate was just about dead. Right. And so the ripple effect of all that just went all the way out. So if you're framers, you're stuckers, you're however you did, whatever you worked with, your job wasn't related to to uh, real estate. Gone. It just stopped. Wow. And I mean, it stopped. And that's the pain. Cool. And that's I think. Part of the reason we have this this um, belief that the Fed doesn't get it right and that they, there's always these uh, recessions following is because there's some muscle memory there, right? The current generation that's alive remembers, you know, for a lot of folks, remembers how this fell flat and what it did and the pain of that. So they right. see the Fed trying to you know turn the dial and, and turn up interest rates and slow things down. They remember the pain and say, "Oh, this pain is coming." Like right. I see what it is. So as we look to the to this one where we're at right now, I mean, the Fed is being, I think, really mindful to not go too far, not to go too long. However, they're also, I think, being very mindful to not go too shallow and not to do it too short. So, And again, I always come back to it takes a long time for the data to become apparent. Mm. So a lot of advisors right now, they all have an opinion. And some of these people are very, very accomplished people. They're, they're people that manage literally trillions of dollars of assets. 
and they have a history and a background that I that I respect. Mm. But it's interesting is that they have different opinions as to what the outcome is going to be. Right. And uh, they still think that stocks in, in most cases are overvalued. They still think that there's going to be uh, more correction. You know, they're looking for that word capitulation. Mm-hmm. Capitulation, you and I look at it as is everybody just kind of gives up. The small investor says, I'm out. And, yeah. and that's already happened to some degree, like in cryptocurrencies and some of the other day trading. That's pretty much stopped right. because of the current volatility. But the question is, is how severe will it get? And I think there's other levers that come into play. For, for example, the government, they could pass a new tax bill. They could, you know, the Federal Reserve, I mean, the Treasury could put more money into the system. Yeah. Or there's a lot of levers that could be pulled in order to sustain the economy and the values of things going forward. Yeah. And the hard part, I think those levers all have different timelines. Oh, yeah. Like you're saying, you know, the interest rates, this is not a, you know, one week type lever. Like this right. is, you know, months and even years. And a lot of these, it's interesting when I was reading through this article of talking about the different periods, it's not like the 1972 recession. It was the 1971 to 74 recession. Like it, it was multiple years that right. they're talking about. And these adjustments, you know, some of them take years to play into effect. A, a tax cut, you know, those could be instant. I remember right. some of the ones we've had historically, you know, they they pass a law and you everyone gets money back. Right. You know, that's a great boost. But, you know, is it what is it the right size? Is it the right timing? Remember when they, remember they not all that long ago, they wanted to buy your junker. They give you money for your junker. Your car. Yeah, your, your old car. beat up car. And I, I think it was an absolute failure, mm. you know, going back to going back to the 2008, 2007, yeah, whatever it was. Well, yeah, and yeah. sign it. I wonder if we have that in California, right? We'll, we'll buy your gas car. <laughs> like, yeah, everyone's going electric. We'll buy it. We'll see. But yeah. So the, the six people that we kind of read through, I, I thought there's, I mean, they're summarized a little bit, but a few of them, one said, wait for peak fear, where right. you get uh, that uh, maximum pessimism. And, I, and again, they also commented the timing. You don't yes. know when that exact, I mean, if you if you get in too soon, your assets are going to continue to fall. But if you get in too late, you're going to miss the rise in assets. Yep. And we've, we've been analyzed that if you're out of the marketplace in days where there's a huge rise in the marketplace, yep. it has a has a major effect on your overall oh, yeah. return. Oh, yeah. Well, the charts, it was like the 10, I think it was the 10 best days over the last 20 years. You just missed the 10 best, best days. days. It was, I'm going to forget the numbers. It was not half, but it was right. close to that. Your return was significantly hindered. And we had that happen in October. Yeah, October was great. People who would have said September is miserable. Right. I'm getting out. I can't ha- I can't handle it. And they missed October. You know, and well, then they're trying to get back in October where the market went down, the start of it went down over over two percent, and everybody went, uh oh. And then all of a sudden it got traction and it went up, ended up being up three yeah. percent in that single day. It was the largest adjustment in volatility historically, I think we've ever had. I wow. mean, it was an amazing day. Right. But if you were out sitting in cash because you were too scared, you would have you missed, missed it. that. Yeah, three percent a day. I mean, there's people who wait a whole year right. to get three percent. I mean, CDs right now are you know three, right. maybe four percent. Um you know, to get that in a day is pretty phenomenal, but it's also a lot of volatility. And for a lot of folks who are invested, they had to survive September. I mean, right. September was not a happy month uh, as far as returns, but then we have October coming through and we'll see the rest of the year. So one of them was wait for um, peak fear. Uh, one was saying there's more chaos to come. Um, <laughs> yeah, Inflation is not going away quickly. There's some of the bad ones. Another one said, you know, this is better than it could be. Right. They were looking back historically to some of the other issues and saying you know, our, our economy, our unemployment, um, our medical delivery, like we are in a good spot generally. You know? mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of people who would say, yeah, I'm feeling a lot of this pain. Um, however, it was just taking the kind of the, the look globally of where we're at. Um, one talked about there's a super bubble that's still bursting. They say that we had a super super bubble a few years ago and we're still in the process of deflating that bubble. So 
they said that this is still going to come down further. Mm-hmm. Um, not not a bad comment. You know, I think it's very reasonable to say we, you know, things got so valued in the pandemic. Um, things are so, adjusting. Yeah, so I guess the question is, is from a from an investment standpoint, what we're telling our clients is that yeah, we're building up cash. We're building up cash and cash equivalents. Right now, current interest rates that we can get on cash equivalents is actually pretty good. Yeah, you know, not- we're, we're, you know, cash is actually becoming a good thing to have because you can earn some interest on it, right? Yep, and it's not falling. You know, another aspect of it. And for folks to say, okay, I'm getting 2% or 3% on my cash, but inflation's 8%, that doesn't feel great. True, you know, valid comment. You know, so right. cash is not a wonderful place to be. But in the short term, if things are going down, one, it, it's not going down, it's staying right. stable. But then two, it, it's kind of keeping that powder dry for what may happen next. Right. Um, a, a lot of these economists are are not trying to time the market. They're just saying we're not done yet. Right. But eventually we will be. There'll be a moment and not There'll having a time when it'll stop. Yep. It'll stop. And we'll say we've suffered everything we're going to suffer and the economy finds its footing. And that's a great moment to be invested yeah, and for sure. invested for the next five, 10 years, even, okay. you know, a long term investment. But so I think for our clients, for a lot of people, cash is is come back about as a it's a good thing. And it used to be it would just be bonds. And that's I guess the difference when we say cash. It used to be that people would say, get out of stocks and go into bonds. Right. But bonds have been brutalized. But with these rising and as quickly as interest rates have come up, bonds have been really hit hard. Now again, there's a lot of people that are looking at bonds yeah. that we may have reached a peak. In other words, that the bond values may start to look really, really good in building a bond ladder. And that's what we've tried to talk to our clients about is that as the bonds that we hold mature, we'll be going into higher interest rate paying bonds. bonds. Yeah. And that'll that'll benefit your portfolio. Yeah, and short, short duration, people have bonds who are very short duration. Those heal very quickly and you right. move up the interest rates as it goes up with it. People who have very long-term bonds and bond funds, you know, they're the ones who are feeling the pain. Right. But we've talked about before on the show, like those, those will heal over time. It just takes time and there's some right. opportunity costs there. But yeah, don't panic. Yeah, don't panic. But the the people who are going to cash right now with extra funds, I think the reason they're favoring cash is it's so liquid, it's stable. But bonds are not the they don't have the same confidence that they, they have. don't have the ballast that we've had in previous times. Yeah. And it's an unusual time that we've had this really from the floor of interest rates. We've had this sudden increase in interest rates. And it's affected bond portfolios really hard. So yeah. yeah. So I think that the question I, I always have and you know, we look at is where are we headed? And the timing, I think we have just to take a you know big caveat. Who knows, right? Right. The, t- the timing is difficult, but where are we headed? I mean, I, I anticipate, and a lot of these you know economists agree, is is that we still have some pain to come. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're moving forward, and that pain could be extremely painful, or it could be moderately I, painful. Yeah, it all depends. You know, a, a bee sting or an amputation. I don't know, but we're having some some pain ahead of us. And then at some point in the foreseeable future you know, three, six, nine, 12 months, yeah, we'll, these we'll find the bottom. End. These things will end. And when they heal, the the expansion of the economy is typically is much longer than the short-term yes. contraction. So, yeah. so you're listening to uh, Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee, and uh, this is part of Retirement Unlimited. And it's where we discuss the current and some of the, some of the really key items that we want to bring forth to you that could affect your life financially. Stay tuned. We're going to continue our conversation as we go into the next segment. You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. 
He's a retirement specialist who works for you on all the important and often confusing things that determine how comfortable you are in retirement. Call Randy Barkley for a free consultation and learn for yourself what I've learned. He can be trusted. Randy Barkley, 888-627-8371, 888-627-8371. Or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back. We are Retirement Unlimited. This is Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee. Uh, we're both certified financial planners. I'm also an attorney here in California, and we talk about life's hard questions. We've been talking about the economy, kind of looking forward. And, and whether or not we're going to have a soft landing or a hard landing. Yeah, and I think know, that- And what's going to happen going forward. And we'll be the first one to admit we don't have any certainty. We're not clairvoyant. We're looking at yeah. large data, and we're trying to interpret what's best for our clients yeah. going forward. And I think that just on that comment to talk about next is- what happens when you really do know? What if what if you did? What if you did know? <laughs> what if you were clairvoyant? Yeah. Right? And so it's interesting here in the um, talking heads in the news, people, especially talk shows, I think are so convinced that they right. know it, and they say, "Man, we're going to have like example with the election coming up. We're going to have a red wave. We're going to get all these elections. It's going to be wonderful, and then the market will be fantastic, right?" Right. Well, that, that second likely. step, not the likely. second step is the interesting one. So even if you knew exactly what the outcome of the elections were going to be, will that mean the market goes up or down? I mean, it depends. You know, it really depends. And even with you know this week, uh, the, the Fed came out and interest uh, increased interest rates again. Well, leading up to that, did people know exactly what it was going to be? Were they very confident, perhaps? Well, did they know what the impact was going to be? And I think that's, you know, thinking back through time, in hindsight, it was a sure thing. Everyone knew. How could you not know? Look at these dummies. They, they should have figured this if out. If you look at a chart, I always it's always funny because you look at a chart and you show the return of something. Well, why didn't we just buy right there? Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, May, <laughs> duh. May would have been great. Perfect, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and similarly, like this last January third, I think was for a lot of stocks was the highest point. January third, twenty twenty two. You know, had people sold on that day and moved it all to cash. Oh, that'd have been brilliant, right? But on that day, there were some things that looked very certain. Uh, interest rates were going to go up. That was fairly certain. So a lot of people were shorting bond, shortening bond durations. We did that as well. But other things were not certain. You know, the, well, one, the one certainty was, you know, what Russia going into Ukraine. Yes. And the disruption, a lot of people minimized the damage that Russia was going to mm. do to energy supplies. Well, it it was obviously a bigger deal, it's right? A bigger issue. Yeah. Yeah. All around the world, deal. you know, food supplies, energy supplies, I mean, we're still feeling those effects. Yeah. So there's a great article we read about of, of saying, um, the problem with the sure thing. When someone says it's a sure thing, we know what's going to happen. It's like it's like going to the racetrack and says, you bet on this horse, this right. horse can't lose. Right. By and large, that horse is right. probably going to lose, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> well, the, the interesting thing, he took an example of there was uh, some data that came out that was the, the consumer price index, you know, September to the previous September, a one year, and I think it was 8.3 or 8.2% was the, the, the consumer price index, the inflation number. Right. That came out and everyone, oh man, this is great. This is bad. You know, what's going to happen here? Well, the market fell. This is October 13th. So uh, they're saying October 12th, if you knew this number was coming out, what would you have done? Most people would have said, exit. It's a bad number. Right. Market's going to go down. Well, that morning, October 13th, market went down 2%. Right. It then turned and rallied and ended up being 3% up for the right. day. It was one of the biggest swings in-, in On record. Yeah. You, you mentioned that earlier in the first section. Like It's this huge swing. And then since that time till the end of October, um, we just finished October, the market's up 9% since right. then. So if you knew the, the data was going to be bad, most people would have said, 
this is what we should and, do and with how it. How would you would have known that the market would have reacted yes. the way that it did, right? Because right? the news that was coming out was bad news. Yeah, it would have been. It would have been. You would have taken the logic that the market would have gone down further. Yes, but in fact, the market hit a bounce went and then the other went back up. And you cannot predict these things, right? And even if the even if you knew it, so it's similar like elections. People say if this person gets elected, this is going to happen. And we talked about the most recent election. We had some clients calling the world is ending. Some clients calling saying the world is ending for entirely different reasons. <laughs> um, but what did the markets do? It, it, it's not a clear thing. And if it was clear, people would trade on it, right? right. People would consistently make money off well, that. Well, some people do. And I, they, they and try I, to. Yes, and, right. and I think that's where a lot of people lose money. Mm. I mean, we've sat down with people that have tried to trade their own accounts. And you can sense when you talk to them, the emotional value that mm. they bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And they make decisions, not necessarily on very specific data points, Um which we try to stay to is the data points when we actually make decisions. Yeah. But people make decisions based on how they feel. And making those decisions based upon their feel typically ends up with a much less return or more devastating results, yeah. right? No, that's right. And I think the hard part too is what you feel. You know, your feelings, one can lead you astray from the, the stuff. But the, the information we receive is not timely. It's not necessarily accurate for that moment. So for example, you, you'd mentioned the, the economic data it's a month to two months behind, and that's the economists who are getting it. Right. So what the talking heads on TV are saying, and the things you're hearing on, you know, even you know this radio station, the things you're hearing might make you feel one way or the other. There's data that's still a month to two months out right. that's happening right now that we're not going to see. And even though we're all upset about X, Y, or Z, the data of what's really happening in the economy may be very different than that. We just yeah, don't know I, it yet. I mean, one of the key components of the inflationary factor is rental, and mm -hmm. they use this OER, which is owners. Uh, what is it? Uh, owners earned rental. In other words, uh, yeah, the, the what you would rent your home out for if mm. you were going to rent it. Mm -hmm. And so they bring this factor in. But most people don't sign a one-month rental agreement. They mm. sign a one-year rental agreement. So they don't know. So that data is very lagging. Oh, interesting. And, yeah. so, and that's one of the big components of the inflationary calculations. Well, it just it just is. Yeah, rent doesn't change every month right. for most people. Right. And yeah, you have that delay in information. So, I mean, kind of looking at this generally, we say when, when you have a sure thing, great, wonderful. But what's that going to do the market in the next week, in the couple of days, as well as in the future? It's fairly uncertain. And we even talked about in um, the pandemic, we had what they called a K recovery. You know, the, the main street, you know, businesses kept going down as everything was shut down. But the markets, they took off. And you know it's it's uncommon that those both do that. And I yeah, think the, the difference the was unusual. Yeah, and I think what you have is Main Street feelings. You know, we all live in Main Street. We feel Main Street, but the market may do something different. And so as right. we look forward, people have a sure thing. They know what is going to happen to Main Street. That doesn't necessarily indicate what's going to happen to the markets. Right. Exactly. So I think again, as we continue to move forward, we're going to have these variables. And what we continue to look at is the data. We're, mm -hmm. we're not trying to make decisions based upon how we feel, but we're trying to make decisions based upon what the underlying data is. And sometimes it's going to be lagging. Sometimes it'll get ahead of itself. But by and large, what we're trying to do is make good decisions based upon that data. Like, for example, some of the things we did the first of the year and the things that we're doing right now, we are building up some cash. There's no question about that yeah. because we think the market potentially has it could have a more downturn to it yeah another leg to it but well, if you've missed any part of this episode you can catch us on our website it's retirementunlimited.com right. or you can catch us on youtube we have uh, we post our videos every week there um, if there's a topic that you want us to talk about on the radio uh, or on the on our youtube podcast just give us a call it's 951-684-7011 or leave us a, a comment on uh, our website until next week folks may you grow in wisdom and knowledge
Thank you for listening. Information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney, client, or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant, or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary. Randy Barkley is a California Life Insurance Agent, California License Number 0518567. And Jeremiah Lee is a California Licensed Attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm. Hi, this is Hugh Hewitt. Hey, if you're retired or approaching retirement, listen up. Retirement planning is critical to your financial health. And like choosing the right doctor, your financial planner must be able to understand your concerns, help you navigate through your retirement, which can be filled with uncertainty, volatility. Certified financial planner Randy Barkley has been assisting clients for 30 years by helping them understand all the information that to most of us can be overwhelming. Go to retirementunlimited.org or call Randy Barkley for a no-obligation appointment at 888-627-8371. That's 888-627-8371, retirementunlimited.org. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB.